With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So uh, this Kevin dude from the, the Crossing Broad, seems like a nice enough fella. He's a nice guy. He's, cool. yeah, he's a nice guy. It's always soccer in Philadelphia in a brand new year, 2022, and we are starting off the new year with breaking news out of Cincinnati, where the Philadelphia Union all-time leader in pretty much everything, games, minutes, uh, years played, uh, etc., Ray Gaddis has unretired to join Chris Albright with FC Cincinnati. And Chris Albright, at some point, may have to start going out and getting his own players. You know, find your own players and your own coaches, Chris Albright. But for real, I mean, that that was just kind of a crazy random thing when I saw it hit the uh, feed the other day. Ray Gattis unretiring. You know, it's crazy because he's only... He turns 32 later this month in January. I think it's next week, actually. I think his birthday's next week. And, uh, you know, he still had plenty of good years ahead of him. So when he retired originally, I was like, oh, that's kind of crazy. You know, he's not, you know, he's not at the end of his career. You know, it seemed pretty abrupt, right? But, uh, you know, I'm sure he was probably sitting at home and uh, missed playing. He was probably itchy, man. I get itchy if I go two weeks without playing. You know, and then I'm like crabby around the house and I start arguing with my wife or whatever. And she's like, why don't you just go play, you know, and then you'll feel better. So um, I can't imagine what it'd be like for Ray to sit there for, you know, a full year and not play. So interesting that he comes back with Cincinnati. They went out and got Alvis Powell, too. So kind of interested to see how it how it works out. You know, I they definitely need veteran stability anywhere they can find it. You know, with that lineup, with the way that that team has performed over the last couple of years, and uh, I think it's a smart move on their their part. Even if Ray ends up not being the everyday starter, you know, to have somebody like that in the locker room and have some stability there. So we'll have to put the poll question out: Is Ray Gaddis a traitor uh, to the Philadelphia Union? Six one zero six three two. Uh, zero nine seven five. We'll talk more about Ray, like as the like another podcast when we get more details or whatever. Um, I've got two guests coming up a little bit later in the show, but the other piece of news that I wanted to share is that we have a uh, official Always Soccer in Philadelphia website. Hooray! And uh, yeah, the question was like, do we need a website? No, but you know, trying to like grow the brand a little bit and and put some other. Uh, uh, you know, forms of media, ex- expand to some other forms of media there. You know, it's not a fancy website. It's iasip.squarespace.com, I-A-S-I-P.squarespace.com. Yes, I could have paid 20 bucks to have our own domain, but what the hell is the point, right? I mean, most people are clicking on it through, um, you know, my Twitter, my personal Twitter account anyway. We don't do like a show Twitter account or a show Instagram account because I don't have time to run that shit. Like, you know, it's, it's a small podcast for, for all of you. And, uh, you know, we keep it, keep it, uh, 
you know, pretty tight and pretty low key, but you know, there's uh, biographies for all the contributors on the site. You know, there's all the information, all the, uh, you know, the historic information of how Dave and I started it photos from the live event we did at the Larimer, uh, from some of the charity, like background of some of the charity events that we did as well. Uh, links to all the different, you know, audio sources for the podcast. And Dave and I actually got together and, and put together, he sent over a bunch of photos and I have a ton of photos left over from, uh, you know, like behind the scenes, kind of cool, uh, rare, um, photos, a lot of stuff, uh, that we put into a gallery that people have never seen before. So that was, I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, share some like photos of us, like interviewing guys or, you know, behind the scenes stuff from, from player signings or press conferences or, you know, visits from premier league teams and, and some cool stuff that, that had never gone public before. So check that out, check out the website, uh, com, and, uh, let me know what you think. And let me know if you think there's anything I should uh, add in there too. And we can keep growing the, uh, podcast brand and, uh, and go from there. All right, let's welcome in our first guest on today's program, joining us from sunny South Florida. Uh, he is the founder of the Miami Total Football Podcast, covering Inter-Miami now, an OG uh, in the MLS writing scene, somebody who I bumped into at uh, PPL Park Talent Energy Stadium probably like 30 or 40 times over the years. It's uh, Franco Panizo is joining the show. What's up, man? How are you, brothers? Good to see you. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other face to face. I know this is on Zoom, but still. <laughs> no, no, it's good to see you, even if, if it's on Zoom. Franco would come down. You would come down with Ivis for yep. all sorts of games, man. Like, like not just like Red Bull games because you guys were in North Jersey. Not just like Red Bull games, but you'd be at a bunch of Philly games too. Because I guess what like before NYC it was probably like the next closest venue to you guys, right? So yeah. is that why you were driving down all the time? Yeah, it was, and it was you know it was a two hour drive from from Jersey, two and some change maybe, and. Just there was always interesting storylines with with the Philadelphia Union. Yeah. So when you know when the Red Bulls weren't in town, we would make trips down there. You know, Freddie Adu was there for a bit while you know when we when we went to a, a few games to, to cover that because that was obviously a, a good episode and a good chapter, yeah. at least an interesting chapter. Maybe not a good chapter, an interesting yes. chapter yes. in the yes. Union. You and you and I were always around when the team was crap. You know, and now the team's <laughs> awesome, and we're not anywhere anywhere near uh, Chester, which is the ultimate irony. You know, me, me and Dave talk about that all the time. But uh, um, yeah, of course, the Union were going to turn the corner eventually, and uh, you know, they made it. Now, to the now, now I'm in South Florida, and Inter Miami's not doing so hot. So maybe no, I, I, maybe we're bad luck, or I'm bad luck. I don't know. What are, <laughs> and I mean, maybe we should just stay away. Maybe there's something to be said for that. You know, maybe there's a pattern developing here. Um, <laughs> Well, listen, Philly and Miami, Philly and Miami link, uh, obviously with, with Philly going out and getting Julian Carranza on loan. And uh, yeah, I figured you'd be the perfect person to come on and sort of uh, tell us who he is as a player and, and uh, you know, uh, what union fans can expect. It's a, it's a season-long loan. Um, there's a purchase option at the end of it. I kind of see it as like a buy, like a buy low, uh, low-risk move for the union to see if they can uh, kind of get, get him going in a different, in a different setting. Yeah, I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that they're taking a chance to see him out, see if he can fit the system, if he can produce for them, if he can be the next example of a, of a young player that's thrived in, in Philadelphia. You know, d- during his two seasons here in South Florida, he had some injury issues to start. Then, he, you know, once he started playing, wasn't at his best. Gonzalo Higuain came on shortly after that, so then he was, you know, reduced to mostly a bench role. Since then, he scored three goals over the course of two seasons. You know, that's not a that's not a great haul for any striker. But he's young; he should still develop. You know, he's more of a, a target striker. Uh, 
not necessarily someone that's going to stretch the back line. Someone that likes to, you know, he can play with the ball to his feet and, and try to look to combine. But I think his strengths are more so in the penalty area, trying to finish things off. He's got he's got some size to him, and he has shown in spurts here that you know he can be an aerial threat and and is good with his back to goal and just holding off center back. So, you know, I, I think Philadelphia will get an interesting. I don't know if prospect's the right word at this point in his career, but an interesting option there. And, you know, we'll see if he develops. We'll see how Jim Curtin and his staff does or do with with, uh, with Julian Carranza because there, there's potential there, but, you know, it's, it's untapped so far. How, how, how much, like, where would you place the if, – if I had to ask you, like, where did it go wrong specifically? Is it just a young player in a new setting? Is it the, is it the injury kind of setting him back? Is it Iguain displacing him out of the lineup? Is, is it all – three of those things at the same time is there any one th- one thing that you would point to more than the other yeah look you know you know probably as well as i do or as well as anybody does here that it's always more than one factor right it's always yeah. a bunch of contributing factors that lead to, to a player not not producing more often than not maybe sometimes there is just one overarching thing but it's normally a bunch of different things and all the things you just mentioned you know are probably one of them i think another one that could be taken into account and this is me talking from the media side not any information i've gotten but just my perspective is maybe he came in to south florida and he came into into miami and came into mls with maybe more hype than he deserved he was one of the first two signings with matias pellegrini two young argentines and there was you know i'm not gonna say it was like headline grabbing for everybody but it, it was that was the selling point that they're two young argentines they're promising they're up and coming they're going to to develop and deliver and neither one of them did for inter miami pellegrini was sent on low last year, um, back to Estudiantes de la Plata when Inter Miami hit the, you know, they had the issue with the four DPS yeah, yeah. rule. So neither one of them really ever took off. Neither one of them has really impressed, at least in, in Inter Miami colors or in MLS. So maybe there's an element of that to it. Maybe the scouting was wrong, or maybe the, you know, they just weren't ready for for this league at this point in their in their careers so or that early in their careers because they're still young, they're still developing. So, I mean, I, but it also is like, like you mentioned, and, and like I think I mentioned before, Iguain, um, the injury, because he, he suffered an injury early on in, in the first season in 2020 and had to recover from that. So he never really got going. Um, so I think it's just a combination of, of everything there. Franco, what was, um, what was Miami playing formation wise when, when he was involved? Was it one, one striker, two strikers, anything specific on the system? It was mostly one striker, mostly one striker, and he'd either he'd either you know come in as a substitute or he would very seldomly, very rarely start up top. There were, I I believe, and you know my memory's pretty good, but I'm getting older, so but I do believe there were a couple of instances where he did play alongside Gonzalo Higuain. Um, it didn't work out too well, so there were maybe later on in the season as as things unfolded, Phil Neville started going with looks where maybe. Carranza was playing up top and, and Iguain was playing more as, as a 10. Gonzalo Iguain, not Federico, um, yeah. was playing more as a 10. So uh, I think his, his best his best position just as a 9, a lone striker, I don't think he's necessarily someone that's going to play well off of somebody else you know, up top like as, a, as two 9s or anything yeah. like that. I think, I think he needs to just be the 9, try to get in the box, try to get on the end of things and, and try to finish. Because um, again, I, I don't think he has the speed necessarily to stretch the defense. Mm-hmm. I think he's more of a player that likes the ball at his feet, and obviously he can get physical and can use his body a bit. So uh, we'll see how it does in Philadelphia. I'm very curious to see how how things unfold. I think I think it could go better for him. I don't know if it'll go great, but I think it could go better. We'll see. Did um, 
was was there something specific with the foot injury? I everything that I read about it, it just said foot injury. But did he like break a bone, or was it something specific? Did they ever disclose what that was? They never disclosed what that was, and I've tried to do some digging, trying to find out, and um, I haven't gotten any real detail as to what the injury was. It's yeah. all it was always mysterious. Even even when it first happened, and you know, I know this is about Philly, but. Inter Miami, he's been very secretive about injuries by and large for the last two yeah. seasons. And every time we've inquired, it's kind of been like, oh, they, they, you know, they kind of try to keep their cards close to the vest there. Um, I remember hearing that Ventura Alvarado, former U.S. Men's National Team, former U.S. Men's National Team defender, had a ligament injury. I believe it was ACL. And, you know, I, I heard that from sources and I, and I, I inquired about it. Um, and all they would say was knee injury. That's all the yeah, like, team yeah. release is knee injury, knee injury. Yeah. They wouldn't say what kind of injury it was. And I, I mean, like, I don't it's know. Like ice hockey, man. It's like, you know how they do now they just go like upper body and lower body, <laughs> which could be any, any like completely different thing. You know, you could Next. say upper, upper body injury and it could be like, he hurt uh, his pinky. A broken pinky <laughs> or it could be like, he like fractured his like spine or something. I, I know it's like crazy. I don't, yeah. I just, yeah, it's funny too. Cause like, you know, with like like legal sports betting and whatnot, I think like the the leagues are being pushed now to be a little bit more specific with that because there's like a money like making element that's tied mm-hmm. into it as well. But um, yeah, I just find it fascinating how it's moved like that. Was he? I, I maybe I have this confused, but when Miami had and our listeners are interested in all kinds of stuff too, I'm sure they'll find it fascinating. But Carranza wasn't one of the guys. Was he caught up in like the four DPs of like weirdo scandal or whatever the hell was going on? And I don't feel like I have a clear picture of exactly what that was all about. So he, let's figure out how to say this. I don't want to say this properly. He was not like you know directly implicated in the in the initial investigation. Right? It was all into the the Blazing Tweety signing. But part of the discovery and in the findings was that. You know, he was compensated. He's one of the players that was compensated uh, inappropriately or, or against the rules. He was one of several players, right? Like I, I believe Andres Reyes was supposed to be a designated player who's now with the New York Red Bulls or a young DP based on how he was compensated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Andres González Pires, if my memory serves me correctly, was also uh, a player, or maybe not Gonzalez Pires, maybe I'm thinking Figal. But there was, there was definitely multiple players that were compensated okay. in, in inappropriate ways in, or in – illegal ways for MOS terms and and Carranza was was one of them so okay, um, right. yeah, again MLS made sure to point out that none of the players did any wrongdoing so it's not like yeah. they they knew that they were doing something uh, incorrect yeah. but by MLS rules that uh, he was he was involved in that overall right it wasn't some big like macro level conspiracy or whatever it's just but it seemed like a bunch of guys just got caught up in a in a something larger than them or something yeah. that was going on above them. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about the union because you, you've been, you've been coming down to union games for forever, man. I mean, you were there yeah. back in the day, like in the original years when they were, you know, a stinky team that had no direction. <laughs> and, <laughs> we were watching, you know, Freddie and do and all these dudes that, you know, you saw flashes here and there and then it kind of petered out for, but now they've turned a corner um in a, in a hardcore way man semi-final of the champions league and semi-final of the mls playoffs this year and and they probably would have went to the mls cup if it wasn't for the COVID outbreak i mean when you think about you know you and ibis coming down all the union games you guys watched over the years and knowing what that franchise was back in the day i mean what do you think when you look at the union now i think jim Curtin's done a heck of a job and I, i'll be honest um completely straightforward 
I had very I had very big questions about him when he was initially hired. I I wasn't a hundred percent sold on on the job he could do. I thought they needed to do a clean break from the the previous regimes and, and try to find something new. But look, he's he took him some time, but he got going, and now he's he's really maximized um, and and optimized the talent they have there. Like you said, if it wasn't for the for the COVID um, cases that happened there there in, in, in December and late November, they probably have a very good chance of, of making it to MLS Cup final. I mean they. They they held they stayed in it right they were they were close to going extra time with with New York City FC. It was like a good game, man. They played well with all the backups. You know? Yeah, they had the replacements in the replacements quote quote and yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 they put up a fight and and they were close. They were minutes away from from taking it a step further and giving themselves yeah. a chance. But um, the ball the ball fell how it did, and and obviously New York City went on to win the whole thing. So um, you know, Curtin's done a great job. That's why again going back to Garranza, be interesting to see if he can get more out of him. Um, he might, maybe he will be able to, um, he seems to just know how to, how to develop youngsters and, and find the right buttons to push and when. So, yeah. uh, I, I give a lot of credit to Curran. I think they've also learned from their mistakes as, as an organization and they've kind of found their strong footing, as you know, expansion teams in MLS, they tend to struggle out of the gates. There have been some exceptions in recent years where teams have come out flying, but by, by and large teams tend to struggle a bit. And, you know, maybe those initial years were just the growing pains for, for the union before they, they kind of found their way and, and, and right into ship. Frank, a last one for you. Um, you know, obviously the union don't spend a lot of money, but they've found success in bringing over a Red Bull guy and kind of installing, you know, a pressing system. And they got a bunch of motivated uh, chip on their shoulder, you know, two way grinder kind, kind of dudes, not high paid DPs, you know, guys who were just, you know, uh, you know, love playing the game and feel like they got something to prove, you know? And, um, you know, I think you look at Miami and like the Beckham ownership and like the star, pack, you know, Philly's got the blue collar cliche and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the Miami uh, cliche is like, oh, fancy South Beach or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, but, you know, the, some high price signings from Miami and some superstars and Iguain and Matuidi and, and whatnot. And like, I, w- I wonder like what your thoughts are on, you know, MLS roster building, you know, in these days, are we, you know, is it going more towards the homegrown academy uh, blue collar motivated route or, or do teams, can teams still go the Javinko and David Beckham and Robbie Keane route and, and, you know, win with those high, high price guys. Like I'm, I'm just, it, it fascinates me philosophically to kind of think about where we are, you know? Yeah. I'd have to put a little bit more thought just to really give you a concrete answer, but I'd say like based on what we're seeing in MLS right now over the last few years, it's definitely going away from the, older DPs, the bigger name DPs and towards a younger, um, younger player, whether it's American, whether it's European, South American, obviously some Central American, the league's trending younger. I I asked Don Garber, and I think this was in 2018 at the state of the league address in in Atlanta during MLS cup uh, final week about just the, the trend of, of recent sales that they made at that point. I think Tyler Adams was one of them maybe Zach Steffen. And that's when he said, you know, we have to become more of a selling league and, you know, to, to sell, you have to keep uh, replenishing the well and you have to keep bringing in talent. So I do think that they are going younger. I do think we'll see less big name star players, but I also do think given where MLS is in general and how it likes to market itself, I think it still needs some of those big name players that can, that maybe won't be able to, you won't be able to sell them for a, for a, a, a transfer fee, but they can put butts in seats. They can win you games. They can score sensational goals. You know, Zlatan when when he was when he was here. I mean, look, look at some of the goals he scored. I don't think 
anybody else in the league or any 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 domestic um, player in the league scores goals like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, I still think there is room for that. I think it'll just be a little bit more selective. Um, some teams, you know, might do it for obviously they're looking to win, but also maybe to to draw attention to them, et cetera, et cetera. I think it'll be a more selective process, but I still think that there's there's room for it in in MLS as as things stand right now. Franco, where can listeners uh, uh, find your stuff? Where can they read more, listen to more? Sure. So everything right now is on Miami Total Football, which is what I, I started once I moved back down to South Florida from the lovely Northeast. Um, so there's a YouTube channel if they want to if they want to do video uh, or they want to see video. There's a podcast, Miami Total Football Radio, which is podcast and then Miami total football uh, on Substack, which is where my written stuff is. I'm now a triple threat brother. I've I had to diversify because it's not like back in the days where you could just write articles and, and people will read it. Now, now with, with the way media has gone and everything, I know, I know. you got You got to, you got to be able to do a little bit of everything. So I know, I know. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like trying to have people show me how to use Snapchat so I can figure out where Derek Jones is partying. <laughs> That's how you. That's how you know you're old. That's how you know you're old. You're talking about Snapchat. All the all the kids are on uh, are on TikTok now. Come on, bro. Come on, get with the program. No, that's how we found out that Anthony Fontana was going to Italy because somebody slid into my DMs and they're like, "Hey, here's Anthony Fontana's girlfriend on TikTok on New Year's Eve, revealing that her boyfriend is moving." to italy so this is how we do journalism now this is how we break news hey yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna lie i'm a, I, we also have an instagram um page on miami total football like just inter miami news and i follow all the players on there to stay up to date with what they're doing because you know sometimes they get carried away and they, they tip their hand to something or something's going on so i mean hey it's it's 2022 now so this hey, man, day you, you gotta you gotta adapt man it's the dawn of a new day in uh in yeah. media you know so we're breaking stories on uh, on tiktok and snapchat instagram whatever uh Whatever it takes, you know. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good to see your face again, even if it was it was digitally. And, of course, this is an audio format, so nobody can see either one of our faces. But um, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, man. We'll do it, we'll, uh, do it again, all right? Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt, brother. Good to see you. Thank you for having me on, and we'll talk again very, very soon. I'm looking forward, though, to you breaking some news with the TikTok fans. <laughs> if, if God wills it, we'll do it, yeah. <laughs> Later, brother. All right, it's time to bring in our second guest for episode number 142 of the Always Soccer in Philadelphia program. He is a a friend of the program, a frequent uh, guest. We'd like to have him on uh, once or twice a year. Uh, it's been a while, though, since uh, since he's been on. Uh, let's give a roaring round of applause to the, the Dalai Lama of soccer. It's uh, Simon Allen joining us again from California. Simon, one more time. How are you, man? Good. I'm not, I'm not hearing the roaring. I want more roaring, please. Roar, 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 roar. Yeah, that's kind of a little inside joke there. Since it's a podcast, there is no applause. But I'd like to think that people are, as they're listening uh, in their car or while they're, can you, uh, you know, doing their, doing their various things. Can you believe tasks. we're still podcasting? I know. How long has it been? Like 10 years now? Um, um, 60, six, uh, 17th year for me. 17th year for you, right. Yeah. We we first crossed paths. Um Simon and I doing Eric Nash's show, Vuvuzela, uh, Worldwide Soccer Show, which per- debuted in like the first year that the union even existed, right? Like 2010 yeah. or 2011 mm-hmm. or something. So, uh, yeah, you know, no, that, a decade later, I, here we are. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was you know, like the, you know, the birthing of the, of the union and we were on live radio and, <laughs> yeah. you know, we were just like going through the motions of like, 
all right, what's, you know, what's, what, what are the union going to do this week to just piss us off? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> actually, see, you can tell we've been podcasting together for a long time because you just segued me right into the first question, which is beautiful, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, like the consider the Philadelphia union that you and I were talking about 10 years ago or eight years ago or six years ago or four years ago. And now in 2021, we're talking about a team that just went to, the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal and made it all the way to the MLS Cup playoff semifinal in a home field advantage game against New York City, missing the golden boot winner. And then they got hit by a COVID outbreak. Yeah. Um, so well, I, yeah. <laughs> could be a curse. I don't know. But yeah. I mean, like, I just, I was sitting there thinking, like, man, that is so union. It's the most union thing that could ever happen. I'm still pissed off about it. It's funny because, like, a lot of fans, it seems like a lot of fans are like, oh, well, you know, let's move on to the next thing and whatever. Man, I'm like, I'm not even, a, I don't even consider myself like a fan. I'm an ex media yeah. member who does a podcast now, but like, I was pissed off for like three weeks after. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, to, to make I, it this far, and then this is what happens. You know? I absolutely agree with you. I think this is pro, and I, and I, and I'm going to put a, more of a damper on it for you. I think this or this past season was probably the best opportunity for the union to win MLS Cup, and I don't think it might happen again for a while. Um, and 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 there's, there's a part of me that says. Well, were you really going to win the New York City FC match, even with your Golden Boot, you know, winner? And so you can argue that, which we won't. But I think this is that was. I think this was your. I think this was your shot. I think this was like Union shot. Everything. It was a per. You know, it was a perfect storm. I think. You know, you had a, you have a manager that is done his on the job training, right? Um, and he can now manage a team. And you had some very good players, including the Polish player, which I can't pronounce his name. So, yeah, um, I mean, he ruined my my security password on my computer. That was my his last name was my password. Um, but for whatever it's worth, I mean, he, and he wasn't there. And then, so I think it's I think it's I think that's kind of storm's not going to happen again yeah. for a while. And so, yeah, I would be mad as well if I was a hardcore Union fan. But we've known from day one, I mean, going back to before the union even started, before the union was even around, when I was in my podcast, we knew that the union fans were going to be tough, that they were going to be like hardcore and, yeah. you know, always looking at the bright side, so to speak. And, you know, yeah, but I, yeah. And so, yeah, I'd be mad. So I feel for you. I'd be mad too. Um, on top of that, I want to tell you that you might be having that feeling for a while. <laughs> it, it reminds me of, uh, yeah, it was a perfect storm. You know, I like that side of the bracket. Uh, give me like Red Bull, Orlando, Nashville yeah. side of the bracket any day of the week. You get New York City without Tati Castellanos. You get home yeah. field advantage for that game. You know, they take out New England. You know, yeah. it felt like the Sixers last year in a way where they got the number one seed and they were on the side of the bracket that had like the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks. And then they they bombed out in the second round, but I just kept thinking to myself, like how, how many years do you, do you go? Would you have to go to get that kind of path again? You know, and like to your no, point, like not to go negative but like your point is a valid point because it's like, I, you, you never know, like if that is going to happen again yeah. this year, next year, it could be 15 I, years from now, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen because you know, that new England revolution there, you know, br- you know, br- Bruce Arena is going to be, bu- he's, he's literally, Re- reinvented the LA Galaxy. He's buying LA Galaxy players. He's going to yeah. do that. Yeah. You know that New York City FC have the winning formula. And I, and I said that on my show. And I said it like, hey, listen up, you know, lower 
rung teams of Major League Soccer. New York City have that formula. They, you can see what they've done. They're not going to sway from that formula. And now other, hopefully other teams, I don't think too many, but we'll look at that and go, okay, we're going to go ahead and follow that. You had, um, well, I mean, I think, I think Nashville, uh, to me, was the strongest team uh, per se when it comes to management and when it comes to like, player utility. So it's only going to get very much harder. Um, but, you, but I want to throw this back at you and say, listen, you've kind of been there before. I mean, how many times can you, like, can you go to a final and lose it? Or how many times can you, with the same sort of personnel in the front office and then you yeah. go back to management? Um, and, and I was always thinking, I was thinking about this today when I was driving. I was like, you know, I bet you you can name every head coach of the, of the union. Like off the top of your head, you can do it right now in two seconds. Jim Curtin, John Hackworth, Peter Novak. Right. The, the fans that I remember talking to on a weekly basis when it came to the union, they had this one thing going. I always say like, oh, in, in Hackworth, we trust. In Novak, we trust. In, now it's like in Curtin, we trust. I was like, well, none of these guys have really gotten you to the promised land yet. So can you at least throw away your faith and trust in management and storm that boardroom and go, let's get better players. Let's get better head. Let's get better coaches. Yeah, yeah. And that, that means then the anguish might just disappear, you know, like, okay, that it won't be a fluke once in every five year thing for you to get to the, to the, you know, to the end rounds of the, of the playoffs. I don't know. I think to me, that's always been my, my thing. And I've been saying, get, if you get better managers, you get better players, you get better players, you get better managers, and then you end up winning trophies. I think this is where I'm at now. I think they can win with Jim Curtin. And I think they can win with Ernst Tanner as a sporting director. You know, I think they have an identity. I think they, right. they, they play like a cohesive team. They play wonderful defense. And, uh, right. you know, the, the question really is like, we know that Jay Sugarman is not going to spend a ton of money. Yeah. He's very fascinated by analytics and Moneyball, and he said on the yeah. record before, you know, we're looking for other ways to compete because, and the quote was, uh, we're not going to line up against the other team and fire our, I forget what the fuck he was saying, fire our muskets at them or, or something along the line. He's like basically saying, he, it was, it was a, a roundabout way of saying we're bringing a knife to a gunfight. So yeah. my question to you as we try to advance the story is like put yourself in Jim Curtin's shoes, right? right. And you say to him, look, with the limited resources that you gave us, I took us to the semifinals of the Champions League. I took us to the semifinals of the MLS Cup playoffs. Like now's the time to open the pocketbook. Cause like, if you ain't going to do it now, you're not going to do it ever. Like, I don't know what more evidence, like what else does he have to put on his resume? I have delivered you to the doorstep with right. what little, little you have given me. It's like, he, he can't, he's got the part, like he's got so much leverage right now. It's like he could get, they, they wanted him to go to Cincinnati and take that job, you know? So it's like, yeah. I, it, it, it's well, almost like we're at like a moment where it's going to crest. Th this is deja vu, Kevin, right? Because again, I want to stress, I've been stressing for 16 years that soccer is not stats. Soccer is history. You've got to know your history about soccer. You take, ex for example, I think the best coach in, in Major League Soccer, Gary Smith. And it's not because he's from my part of the world. He just is. He took the Colorado Rapids, a retread crappy team, rode a wave, and won MLS Cup. Yeah. Uh, a year later, he's fired or he's left because he's, he, he literally went to, to the front office and said, you know, I did it with a bunch of crappy players. Can we get some good players in? And they said no. And he went back to England and started coaching in like the third division. 
So like the idea like that Stevenage or something, right? Yeah, some again, and probably some of those players could probably do well in certain clubs in Major League Soccer. But yeah. the idea is, if you know your history, it happened to Gary Smith. If Jim Curtin gets an offer from Cincinnati and they say we're going to spend money on players, as a fan of of uh, of of the Union, I'd be worried. And I would be thinking he's probably going to take it. He well, that's why there it. was the worry when that rumor did happen, because you're yeah. originally thinking like, there's no way he would ever leave. Right. But then you're sitting here thinking, well, maybe he feels like he's maxed out, you know, in, in Philly. And maybe he feels like there's nowhere to go from here, you know, is that they've kind of reached like the apex under the, the existing circumstances, you know, which is why I'm just fascinated. And the first question I would ask him if I had him back on the podcast, and I'll try to get him back on. I, um, the first thing I would ask him is I'd be like, you know, do you sit down with ownership after a season and like kind of like just parse, you know, the season that you just had and say, look, we made it this far and we feel like we can make it even further if you give us X, Y, and Z and is ownership, you know, amenable to that? You know, surely it's like whenever you ask for a raise at any, like you and me at our yeah. regular jobs or anybody listening, it's yeah. like, you present the history of, of what you've done over the last year or two and explain why you think you need more, you deserve more. And like for Jim and Ernst this year, I mean, they've passed with flying colors. I mean, like, if, yeah. like, you know, if Jay's not going to spend now then he's not going to spend ever, you know, my, my, yeah. my, I would wrap up this thought by just saying this, like yeah. my biggest fear is that he feels like it's a success already because they've made it this far playing money ball and being cheap, yeah. you know? So in his, in his eyes, he's like, maybe, Hey, like we went above and beyond expectations. Maybe the expectations were just too low to begin with. Let me just, okay. Let me sort of put an underlining thing on this one. Two things. Number one, be happy that he should be happy. They didn't, if the, any kind of rumor was true about him going to, to Cincy that he didn't go because with the hiring of Pat Noonan, and I don't think Cincy is actually, you know, serious about winning MLS cup. That's number one. Number two, the idea that the the idea that we're talking about Moneyball right now is is the biggest con job in sports. I'm thinking Moneyball came from the Oakland days, right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, and I love that movie. It's it's a great you know heartfelt movie, and Brad Pitt is awesome and all that lot. But at the end of the day, the Oakland days didn't win using Moneyball. Yeah, they won jack shit. Right. So the <laughs> idea if if uh, if a, if a Someone from the front office said, hey, man, we're going to do this. And someone throws out the word money and ball. I'm like, listen, you're full of crap. It's time. You know, you need to go. We don't need money ball. We need to be like the Yankees yeah. and spend money or whichever team took the idea and ran with it and actually spent more money than they did. Or again, I'm not a baseball guy, so <laughs> you'd have to forgive me on that one. But yeah, no, it's okay. You know, so we'll, we'll underline that one, I guess. I yeah. Well, let me let me segue that into a kind of more of a macro level philosophical yeah. question. And it's more about roster construction. And sure. I was talking about this with the guest who came on earlier, Franco. And, um, you know, the, the union team, as you well know, is yeah. uh, it's more or less a Red Bull team. You know, it's a team that was a pressing team that played good defense. They have, yeah. you know, yeah. motivated two way blue collar grinders who just have a chip on their shoulder. and They love playing the game, you know. That works when you're a defensive midfielder, you're a number eight, a shuttler, a left back, a center back, you know, a goalkeeper, right? Strikers are a different breed, you know, yeah. and they have flair and attitude and they're hot and cold. And sure. you know, there's a, they thrive on creativity and they, they can go on, on streaks, right? Now, I wonder if you can build a Red Bull grinded out, you know, like defensive team with a similarly blue collar striker. Because what my what I'm trying to get at here is like, I feel like they can go with the the current 10 that they have or the current nine that they have behind the forward line mm -hmm. 
And if they just spend, they don't they don't have to spend a ton of money. They just got to go for like one stud striker. Even if you only right. had like one designated player on the roster and it was a five million dollar striker, that's yeah. enough to put this team over the hump, you know. So you know you're not even asking for them to like spend a bazillion dollars. You're just asking for that one investment at the one position, well, you know. So okay, so again, you know, that's going so sort of meta on me that I'm like, listen, so. But here's the question. Here's let me yeah. narrow the question down. Yeah. Can you build a team that has ten blue collar grinders and one like diva striker? Mm, no. <laughs> like, does that locker no. room work? That's what I'm afraid of. It's I, like because you've got good I, well, chemistry right now. You're going to bring in one guy who makes ten times the rest and expect yeah. him to be the you know. I think if you look at someone like Alejandro Bedoya, who's just one of those hardworking American soccer players that just is. In Philadelphia, he, I still don't know what, how he ended up there, but he's 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 working his ass off. He's he's doing really well, and he's and he's. I'm sure if you can correct me if I'm wrong, he, he's he's the glue in the, in the locker room. That if someone like a, I don't want to say like a Zlatan level comes over, and I know we're just now it's just wishful thinking comes yeah. over. I think that someone like Alejandro would say, he's here. He's here to make us you know champions. It's it's good for everyone. Now, I'm going to take it a step further and go so. You, you got a Polish forward that's scoring what twelve goals a season? Yeah, something like that. Okay, and you're getting to the you know the further stages of, of of MLS, you know, in the, in the playoffs. You got someone like Corey Burke, you, you know, doing maybe a half a bucket full of goals, and then a Brazilian guy who should be scoring more goals. What you really need, if you're playing Moneyball, and by the way, I don't think anyone's really playing Moneyball. I don't think there's like a whiz kid. You know, someone going, listen, Jim yeah, Curtin, yeah. we need a guy. No, no one's in there because no one's really paying for that guy. So let's just get that. But if it was me sitting there, I'd be like, well, what we need is a player that can score an extra goal every five games, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, six more goals on top of the tally that we've had. That's all we need. Now, whether that's, and again, I'm just going to just throw out names like um, Jordan Morris, you know, and come out and score goals and, you know, whatever. That's all you need. You don't need to really spend that much. Yeah, um, yeah. We know that it'd be kind of a fruitless endeavor to go, wow, it would be really cool if we could get, you know, uh, I don't know, Neymar to come to, 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 to <laughs> but it's just never going to happen. It's always, here's the thing. Here's, you know what the funny thing is about it, Simon, is that they, <laughs> they, don't, they don't need Robbie Keane and they don't need Marco Devayo and they don't need Sebastian Javinko. They, they, they don't need a $10 million guy. They could be really, really good with a five billion dollar guy. Okay, you know wait, wait. I mean? there's like levels no, to no, the no, game. No, there's, there's no, like you, you need a Robbie Keane. You just need him for a, li- a little less than ten million. Well, okay, well that defeats <laughs> the purpose of what I just said. But you know what I'm saying? Like you need that. Yeah. You need that club. But there's there's layers of it. Like I don't even think they need to. They don't need to. Nobody's saying that the Philadelphia Union need to be the Galacticos era of Real Madrid. No. Right, but like you know, compared to what they're spending now, like it doesn't take much to upgrade. Yeah. But I guess I'm just fascinated by the concept of like, you know, do you upset the chemistry of the team, or can you can you mesh those well, kinds of personalities? It, or does the guy start bitching about his lack of service two games in? You know. Yeah, I mean that's always see that's the thing. I think that's I think that's also a myth about the blue collar, um, you know, the blue collar team. The blue collar team knows how to sort of fall in line, and if they can't, you know, you're not really blue collar. You're just not a professional. So I think if you're really blue collar, you will. Like if I was on the team, I'd be like, "Oh crap, some guy's making forty million dollars, whatever." You know, coming in, you know, he's going to win me a, he's going to win me an MLS Cup. I'm going to fall in line. But going back to that, yeah, listen, fi- find someone for five or six million that can score, you know, 
an extra seven goals, an extra seven goals, and you've won MLS Cup. Mm-hmm. That's take all it away, is, yeah. Take, yeah. Away, take away your, uh, you know, the bad luck of, of COVID and all this nonsense that was going on, and you got it. But again, there's, there's that, there's that once-in-a-lifetime storm that we're looking for, right? Yeah, yeah. To me, that's the elevator pitch. You know, if I'm Jim Curtin and I'm going into Jay Sugarman, I say, I, that's what I say. I say, I don't need you to spend $15 million transfer fee and then pay the guy $10 million a year. You know, we're, look how close we got with the group that we yeah. do have. You know, we only need a marginal, you know, investment to kind of get over the hump. And I don't yeah. know, you know, maybe he's amenable to that, but we'll see. Um, all right, let's switch gears actually from yeah. uh, out of the union. Let's just cool. touch on like a little, you know, it's all, it's the off season. Let's just do a little quick, like potpourri okay. of uh, various topics here. Um <laughs> couple transfers ricardo pepe um going oh. to uh augsburg uh yeah. in germany i thought that was a very uh well you know here's here was my reaction it was like i was like augsburg like what the fuck and then i was sitting there thinking like i'm like yeah that makes a lot of sense actually you know because like germany has been good to young american internationals and you know they they uh they do a good job with young players and bringing them uh, along appropriately and you know when i circle back on it i think it's a good move uh so okay so I'm gonna be. I'm gonna do a little sort of a, a, a mea culpa here and say, or I don't know if the, I don't think using the right word. But anyway, um, were you one of the journalists out there going, saying, "Oh look, he's going to go to Bayern Munich," or "Oh look, he's going to go to Liverpool," or "Oh look, he's going to go to a top six club"? No, I was. I wasn't one of those. You no. were, I, I kind of guessed that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I'm gonna get you out of the equation and say, Go, everybody, go Google, you know, Ricardo Pepe, but do a timestamp. Do it from not this month, but let's say from December on back and check out all the rumors of where he was going. These were top six clubs, top six in England and top two in Germany. So a a move to Augsburg, by the way, I know a lot of people had to Google that particular club to find out who it was, right? Is not a good move. Not a good move because what happens is it shows that, you know, He's not quite what, you know, the world or at least the U.S., you know, all the, all the journals in the U.S. are, are, are saying. He wasn't that good. Uh, number two, num- and more importantly, Augsburg is essentially a, bo- a seller-dwelling team. Yeah. Right? And Ricardo Pepe is being brought in to score bucket loads of goals so they can stay, you know, essentially – in the top flight of Germany, right? That's that not thing, something, that's not a great environment to walk into right away. Not. Now, let's be realistic here, okay? Let's really be realistic. Let's take off the rose-colored glasses. Let's take off the U.S. national team jerseys and think about Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe has scored three goals in seven matches for the U.S. national team against Honduras and Jamaica. And because of those three goals, he's now the wonder child, uber kid, American. He's the next Landon Donovan, if you listen to some of the reports, right? Everyone's crossing their fingers and hoping that he's going to be, the, he's going to win the, you know, the U.S. the World uh, Cup. Yeah, it and it's much. like, wait a second here. This is, this is a bad move for him. If he went to Liverpool, again, I don't, I mean, and sat on the bench and then got, you know, was playing second division soccer in in england by the way another u.s national team player is doing the right move but we'll talk about that maybe later then that i think that would have helped him more yeah yeah uh, one thing about peppy is this he's taken advantage of a situation in the in, in the u.s national team to up his 
his his his stature, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy scoring goals. Jordan Peefock and 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 Matthew Hoppy aren't. You know, I mean, what a horrible horrible time to be a U.S. national team fan and go look at our center forwards. They're horrible. He's just the best guy at the job right now, and he's getting all this. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, he's, he's benefiting from that, but like you, yeah. you know that you know that international play is overinflated and overvalued, basically just for the fact that there, there aren't a lot of those games. I mean, like look at like hap- what happens in the World Cup. A guy plays like three damn games in the World Cup, because, but because there's so many eyeballs on it, like there are yeah. crazy transfers that are that come off of that. Look at the union sign, Raisin Bowley, for yes. old goalkeeper because of his yeah. World Cup performances for Algeria. Like you got to be kidding me. So I think it's like, yeah, signing guys off of their national team performances versus what they do in the domestic league is is certainly a thing. I think, you know, I think you're right about Augsburg, you know, being in like, you know, kind of having to avoid relegation. You know, I don't think Ricardo Pepe is a Bayern Munich player, but I would have, I I think would have, we would have been more palatable as if he went to like a, like a Hertha or like a Mönchengladbach or something like that, you know, be like a mid table Bundesliga team where you don't have to, you know, the guy, the people in Augsburg, I think it was like their, like their, highest transfer fee they've ever paid yeah, so now, he, now now he comes in there like oh my god this guy's got to be the savior you know and if he doesn't score goals and keep that team you know in the top flight then he's following a tradition of dozy out door in the premiership not scoring goals yeah yeah josh Sargent at norwich not scoring goals and yeah. so that steps that takes u.s like the u.s national team players a step down now no one's gonna like it, it, it you you sort of judge the U.S. national team internationally by the players who are playing in sort of these top flight clubs. And if they're not doing well, you sort of – people sort of tend to move and go, well, maybe we can go to Sweden and look at these players. Maybe we can go yeah. to, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, we don't, need a, we, don't need, yeah, we don't need another Brexit. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to avoid, avoid that as much as possible. True. Um, I don't know if it was complete or not or if it's still just rumored or whatever, but what did you think of uh, Lorenzo Insigne to Toronto? Oh, my goodness. And and yeah, I mean, so here, I don't. Let's let's confer. Let's see if we if we heard the same thing. He's also getting a plane at his disposal. There's a disposal disposal, <laughs> um, so he can fly around. Um, well, <laughs> it's just uh, funny to me because it's like I I, I kind of. I kind of feel like MLS is getting a little bit away from like, we had that big run on like DPs, you know, like yeah. probably five or six years ago where Gerard came over here and Pirlo and Lampard yeah. and all those guys. And like, you, you know, you have your occasional, like, you know, Javinko played up yeah. until like a year or two ago or whatever, but you know, you get like a shift to academies and younger kids and stuff like that. So Insigne, like this move is kind of like an outlier based on the current trend, you know? I think number one, let, let it, let it, let it, let it flip this trend of college players and academy players i hate that doesn't sell tickets i don't care about these kids i want i want you know america wants to see famous people playing sports that's it so wait but you can't say but you can't say that now that you have like the brendan aronson story like the mark mckenzie story and whatnot like you got to respect what they're doing out of the academy yeah okay but okay so how many how many tickets are being sold because of you know of Brendan Aronson and how many tickets were sold because of Branco back in the day? Come on, I mean like we're still in America, right? I mean, no, I know, but it wasn't. It wasn't. This is what I would say to that, uh, just yeah. for the sake sake of the argument. Like, yeah. I don't think people were paying top dollar on StubHub because they wanted <laughs> to come see Brendan Aronson as a Philadelphia Union player, but you know he and Mark McKenzie and other guys improved the union as a team overall to the point Fair where enough. they were, they were winning games. There was like now more people were interested in the team in general. 
you know? So it wasn't like they were like buying their uh, Beckham jerseys and filling up right. the, the, the I, river I, end or whatever, but it, but it played a role, you know? Let me go back to the original days of my podcast and use a phrase that I've been saying for many years. No one rushed to the stadium to buy season tickets to see digital Takawira. All right. They want to see, they want to go ahead and see huge names. And okay, great. I'm so Digital happy. Digital Taco, man. That is a blast from the pit. People right. got to Google that. I guarantee that half of the, my podcast listeners do not know who know. Digital Taco Water is. <laughs> They're going to see it. Um, okay. So let's go back to this Italian guy coming over here. I, I took this story a step for a little step further, a little bit more, you know, sort of cynically and said, he's, you know, uh, he's coming, he's coming to, he's coming to play in the U S but not necessarily the U S and I've always said Europeans want to play in America in, in it for MLS, but not necessarily in America. So it's a good thing that there's, there's a, there's Canadian teams here and get a lot of emails about that. Yeah. Number two, it's weird how MLS rolls over for Bob Bradley, like just gives him the best stuff. Like Toronto hasn't got, is struggling. They get rid of their, their manager. Bob Bradley comes in, makes himself, you know, I think what director of everything, and then suddenly the biggest you know name in in a long time comes to to, to Toronto. I think it's it's more of a, a sort of a lesson on man is this club really tight? Like you know if if you're Bob Bradley or Bruce Arena, you can get a lot of stuff done. But if you're Jim Curtin and you know and you know Ronnie Delia from New York, you don't get much done. Yeah, I you know it's funny. I I feel like I learned a lot when I read Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, autobiography in terms of 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 coaching and getting players to buy in. And you know, my time in the end covering the NBA now, I believe this a lot more than I used to. But I think it's I, the the older I get and the more I think about it, the the less I think it is about tactics and and strategy and, mm. and X's and O's, and the more I think it is about getting players to, to buy in and commit. Yep. And, and Sir Alex would tell these stories in his autobiography about how he'd just talk to the players' parents or like he'd call them yep. on the phone or he'd go yeah. visit visit the family. And just the act of like giving a shit and making it seem like you really care, yeah. it makes people want to want to play hard for you and it makes people want to want to commit. And I, I would say the same thing. That's the same with like any employer too. You know, I've worked for yep. shitty employers that don't care about me at all. So I don't care about them. But then you work for somebody who believes in you and it makes you want to work harder and commit to them. So I think like a lot of, I mean, you have these like transient, you know, soccer is so transient, especially sure. in Europe, Europe too, where players are coming like in and out and in and out, or I'm sorry, coaches are going like in and yeah. out and in and out. You can never like build anything anywhere, yeah. you know? And you look at a guy like Jurgen Klopp, you know, yeah. I, would, I would love to play for a guy like Jurgen Klopp, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I would love to play for a guy like Jim Curtin because Jim just sort of like, he, I don't, he's never going to be the most shrewd, like X's and O's guru on the planet. But like, he, he's a guy who like gets the human side of it and knows how to pull the most out of his guys by just showing that he cares, you know? So I think that's kind of like, I don't know why I just went on that tangent, but I yeah. did. Uh, well, let me, let me tell you about, let me, let me say this in a way that I think um, will offend a lot of people. Coaching is just opinion. That's it. There's no, there's no real science. There's actually zero science behind it. And the only way you can really tell if a coach is good is by the, you know, bullshizzle method of stats, which doesn't tell you the whole story. Yeah. So coaching is literally opinion, right? So if you are a person that, if you're a coach that is mildly good and you can take care of 
your your team, right? You don't necessarily need to be the best coach in the world to attract players, right? Because yeah. it isn't really anything to do with your, your... Now, once you get to the level of, let's say, Real Madrid and Liverpool and, and Manchester United, where science comes in, when the scientists come in, then there's a little bit different. It's a step up. But in our level with Major League Soccer, coaching is opinion. And at the end of the day, if you're, if you, it doesn't matter if you're a good coach or a bad coach, but if you can take care of your team, the, the way that you're saying Jim Kern can do it, uh, fine. But it's not necessarily like... Um, an amazing quality that only he would shed. I think it's, it's yeah. across the board. I think a lot of people can do that. I think the step, the next step would be, you know, to be an actually a good coach with those X's and O's and understand the whole, the whole idea I've always said of the uh, director of football position in, in, in soccer, either it's a total scam position to hire your friends is what I thought, or it's there to like help the coach who isn't really up to snuff when it comes to actual, the actual X's and O's, but can put that arm around your shoulder and say, hey, it's okay, you get him next time or whatever. And to cap that off reminds me of a story of Bob Paisley, greatest, one of the greatest, if not, the, well, a great Liverpool manager. When a player came into town to Liverpool Airport or wherever, he, he was the one that would show up in his car and pick him up. And sometimes they'll come in in, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the morning and he'd be in his pajamas and slippers. He'd pick them up. And the players would think, like, what the hell? There's one of the greatest managers in the world is in his pajamas and slippers. He's picking me up from the airport. And I understood just how much they meant to, to him, that manager. That player meant, felt like, I really, this guy cares for me. So it's not a new thing, but I would, I would, suggest, I would sort of err on the, 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 the side of caution and say, give me a manager that's kind of not just more of a hard guy and, a, and is good with the X's and O's rather than the guy that's, I don't know, nice and sweet, you know, plays poker with the players and isn't yeah. that bad, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob, Bob Paisley, you just mentioned, uh, there was a guy named Bob Daisley who was uh, Ozzy Osbourne's bass player. So there's a little bit of Bob, <laughs> Bob trivia. Wow, uh, what a segue. <laughs> yeah, uh, some English Bob trivia for you on the Always Soccer <laughs> oh. Philadelphia program. Last one, I only got one more for you, Simon. This is probably oh. actually the heaviest, heaviest topic. It's oh. not like the heaviest topic, but it's like, yeah. it's, I, I just, I, I feel like I got to talk about it because actually the last time you came on, I went and checked. It was uh, April, uh, April of 20, 2020, the last time you came on. We did a lot. Wow. We did a, yeah, believe it or not. I don't know why we didn't do it last year. I'm not sure what happened, but. Um, Pandemic. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it was. I mean, we talked a lot about the pandemic because it was at the beginning of it, and we didn't really know much. We didn't know then what we know now, obviously. And like you see it coming back around with Omicron, and there's cancellations in the the Premier League. There's cancellations yeah. and postponements oh, yeah. and stuff over here. And I I wonder like what what um how does how does this end or what is the end game for sports specifically i'm not asking you you know how does yeah. the virus go away or whatever but yeah. do we get to a point where it's that we're just like the, the rules are just gonna like change to the point where it's like look we're just gonna start throwing guys out there regardless of their status yeah. or like what is there a better approach to this yeah i mean you know you know how in england you know if you if you get like three goalkeepers and they're all injured you have this like an emergency rule yeah to sign a new goalkeeper and they'll usually go to the, you know, some new coach that would play two years ago and he's coaching in the low leagues and they'll sign him to play six matches. Yeah. I think that's kind of something that I think we have to look at here at Major League Soccer is just, that's one way of doing it. We have to talk about, you know, raising the, the salary cap to get more players, right? Because, you know, the pandemic is just 
they're falling by the wayside, you know, most pivotal games. They're not, so maybe not, you know, rather than having 25 players or whatever it is, you know, get it up to 35 and then essentially have an automatic clause. Like, you know, everyone in the academy, you know, if there's, a, if there's an emergency, we can, you know, there's no paperwork needed. There's no BS needed. You're going to come up and play. Um, and really just make it a lot easier for, for someone like Jim Curtin to go, okay, listen, Bethlehem Steel, who do you know? And they're like, oh, there's this guy over there that can play. Let's just quickly put him in, yeah. sign a quick, quickie contract, get him on the, you know, get him on the, you know, on, on the pitch. Cause that is really it. We don't, um, we've never really gone through anything like this, right? We've gone through yeah. Yeah. injuries and we can use that as a sort of, as, you know, historical as, as a basis, but other than that, that is really it. I mean, you know, it it is heartbreaking to sort of understand that the union could have gone to the final and won if it wasn't for COVID. I, I, I just can't, right? I can't get over it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it is heartbreaking. I mean, I feel for everyone, right? And again, I can argue till the cows come home. I don't, you know, who knows what would happen if they faced New York, you know, with a full squad, maybe not, but... Again, you'll, we'll never know. We'll never see that, you know, that perfect match because of COVID. Yeah. But if there was in, rules in place to say, well, listen, there's a kid in Bethlehem, or there's a kid in this NPSL team that, you know, we could just throw him in. And that could have been a feel-good story where the kid comes up from, you know, the third division, or actually the fourth division, plays a match and scores the winning goal. That's the kind of stuff we need. And, and you know me, I'm, I'm a... I'm all about the story. I'm all about the history, but I'm more about the story. If yeah. that happens, there's going to be a lot more interest in the game. And and by the way, that whole idea of the pyramid of players moving up and down, it makes it a lot easier. You open yeah. up the, you know, so I think that's the only, what, what's, what's your, what's your solution? Well, here, I'll, I'll give you this thought. Um, yeah. I do, I do some sports betting, not, yeah. Not often. I don't like. I'm not. I'm not anywhere close to having to call one eight hundred gambler. Right. I pop on my phone. Like if I not see something, year. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, I'm twelve and zero in my last, in the, like the last week or whatever. And you know what those twelve games all were? Just postpones. Betting against COVID or bet? Yeah, betting oh. with with COVID. You oh, know, as soon as yeah. I like, you know, for example, the Philadelphia Flyers, like a couple hours before their game. When are we recording this? Wednesday night, Tuesday night. They had two of their best players put on the COVID list like a couple mm-hmm. hours before the game. I immediately dropped $75 on the other team. Yeah. And it was like, I'm like raking in money doing this, but I don't, yeah. I love money. Don't get me wrong, but I, but I want to see meaningful full yeah. strength, like games that, that, yeah. that, that have seen, you know, the, the Flyers goalkeeper came out and he said, this is a joke. You know, and he's yeah. right. It is a joke. So I feel like, I feel like we're in kind of like a one foot in the door, one foot out the door where it's like, you know, we're playing these games, but they're not full strength. They loosen the restrictions a little bit to make it easier for guys to get back. It's like, we either got to be all in or all out, you know, because you can't keep rolling out this. What, what I, I don't know what the answer is. I do know that you can't keep rolling out this like half-ass farce of a, like some guys are available, some guys aren't because the integrity of the competition is totally compromised, well, you know? So I think well, that, I, I, to your point, yeah. We've, never, we've never done this before. So I, yeah. don't, I don't know what the right answer is, but I, but I know that what they're doing right now is... Well, I, I, think it's, I think you treat it like an injury. You go, okay, listen, we, we've... You know, if Santos, Burke, and the, and the Polish striker were all injured, and there was a rule saying, listen, these are our designated strikers, so to speak. Yeah. Can, we, can we tap into, you know, I don't know, a team in, in, in the UPSL 
and yeah. the league says, sure, go get two of them right now. That's what they're doing in the NBA. Yeah, they're doing like right. what's called a hardship exception. Yeah. So they're able to pull a guy up on like a 10-day yeah. contract. From the D- yeah, from doing that way. Also, make everyone in the, in the academy part, you know, like you're, you're on the roster. Like, you know, at the beginning of the season, you've got to put down your ro- – you've got to give yeah. the league your roster and you can't sort of sway until the, the window. Everyone in the academy. And by the way, I, I, it's, it's, it's going to be a testament if your academy is working, right? Yeah. If you have to call, so I think it, there's there's a way to do it. There is, I don't think there is an all in and all out. Like uh, you, like I remember at the gate at the at, in, in one of the games, I forget which one it was. It was like you 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 said something like, I think it was on Twitter or something. Well, you know, I don't know why they just can't postpone it. Well, you know, there's millions of dollars on the line when it comes to TV yeah. revenues. So yeah. like, you know that. So at the end, it's like no, but you know, I think that. And before I even say anything, I, I regret. Um, I think Major League Soccer could really actually benefit from this. You can say, well, listen, five t- players aren't, are, you know, we're going we're gonna to call COVID-19 injuries. They're injured. Let's go get five from this particular league down, you know, down the pyramid and absolutely exploit the fact that we have this movement up and down the pyramid and create stories and create interest and create new fans out of it. Yeah. You know, so again, it's something that maybe Major League Soccer can use, but didn't really jump at the chance to do it. And the idea of, again, uh, it being cancelled and doing, it's just, it's never going to happen. It's just, it, we need to figure out how to do it and, and how to make clicks, you know, and money and interest out of it. And well, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, look, they're not doing it right. They've, they've never done anything right to begin with when it comes to creating interest other than signing big time players. This could be another way of sort of creating interest. Yeah. And listen, that game that the union ended up playing, it was a 3 p.m. time slot on <laughs> ABC, you know, and the yeah. stadium is still sold out and it's still, you know, still a ton of people tuned in to yeah. watch it, you know. So listen, fingers crossed this is the last time that uh, that you and I will have to talk about this, you know. Yeah. Hopefully the next time you come on the podcast, COVID will be a thing of the past. You know? I so hope so, man. I'm sick of it already. I know. I know. I'm you sick of both. it. But listen, yeah. I, I listen. I always appreciate you coming on. Simon. Thank you. Where where can uh, where can the people find you? So to, so you can go to uh, SimonAllenSoccer dot com or the Worldwide Soccer Show dot com. I want to go ahead and plug something. I want to go plug my Redbubble store, Kevin, because um, a lot of I, before I was a soccer guy, I was a I was a design guy. I used to design merchandise for the Hard Rock Cafe all across the world. And so I thought to make some money for the, for the girls' soccer team, I'll start you know, producing some, some merchandise. Go to redbubble.com, type in my name, Simon Allen, one word, and I'm designing T-shirts and decals and bags and stuff. And any kind of profit I make, go, I don't want your money. It's, it's going to go straight to the girls' team and so we can buy oranges and water and stuff like that. So just do that for me. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, it's always a pleasure to have you, man. And uh, we will uh, definitely do it again in the future, hopefully in a uh, a, a a soccer landscape free of uh, COVID nineteen, where the union are spending more money. Hopefully, uh, Kevin, thank you so much. I want to tell your audience one thing before we go. Yeah. Whenever I, whenever I, whenever I have to go into proper soccer journalism mode and talk to people, I channel Kevin. All right, so all you union fans out there, you don't know what you got, man. It's, it's, you're a great guy. I appreciate your hard work, and you, you know, you're a stand-up guy. So thank you for uh, you know having me on your show. You are too kind, man. I appreciate it as always, and uh, look forward to the uh, look forward to the next one we do. All right. All right.